Greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. Bless the holy name of Yahuwah and Shabbat Shalom to all of you. Connect with one another in the chat, all of you in the chat. And remember, you can always connect at TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect. Thanks to everybody for all of their support. We are truly living in some amazing times. And I can't imagine how people could navigate through this day, through this age, without the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit and the Word of Yahuwah to lead us, to guide us, and to shape us. I'm excited to jump into Acts chapter 12 today, the Acts of the Apostles, Maser Shlechim in the Hebrew. It's very interesting that um, I'm going to be teaching this uh, at the very time that it was written, around Passover around Passover. Very interesting, I find that. I'm going to jump in with an intro in verse 5 for us and then get into the rest of the text. The fifth verse says thus, Then indeed Peter was kept in prison. Shimon Kiefer, he's in chains, he's guarded, he is in Yes, I'm going to say it. He is in lockdown. But earnest prayer was made for Yahuwah, to Yahuwah, for him by the kahal. How many of you have been praying for your brethren? I know I've been praying for you, and I know many of you have been praying for me while we've been in a lockdown, not only metaphorically, but literally worldwide, because there is a shift. The chains have come upon the world. What are we going to do with that? And those chains are just getting tighter and tighter, even though there's the promise of release. But just like Pharaoh, their promises are null and void. They're full of futility, and they go back on their promises. So you cannot trust the pharaonic fish because the pharaonic fish is always seeking to devour those that seek the kingdom of Yahuwah. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. He was hard-pressed. He was being pressed in on each and every side, bound with two chains. Also guards were keeping the prison before the door. How many of you have felt bound in and pressed in on every side the past year? I mean, I know I have, and I know you know I have, by the way and the manner of my teaching. But in all of this, I do know this certainty. Yahuwah is in the darkness. Yahuwah's presence His presence is found in the darkness. Mine in the Hebrew, it's spelled mem, nun, yod. Mine, mem, nun, yod. That's where I find he is when I am feeling despondent, when I am hard-pressed, I am shackled, and I am feeling... Yahweh is in the darkness. He is the Elohim that can transcend my darkness. He is the Elohim that can transcend your darkness. 
He's the Elohim that transcends this present darkness of which this last generation has been let loose upon. And when it's darkest, when it's most desperate, and when we're bound and pressed in on all sides, then, when, then we feel his presence because Yahuwah is the mine, the mine. It's thickest in the darkness. Genesis Bereshit, chapter 15, verse 12, we find that Abraham is in the thick of the darkness. He's pressed in on both sides between the covenant of the pieces. And something is amazing is about to happen. But it's in that darkness that he experiences Yahuwah. And we're coming out of Egypt right now, presently. And this pharaonic fish just doesn't want to let us go. And as we are leaving, some of us are, have made headway more than others. And some are like, oh, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And we're, we're hard pressed. There's a mountain on the left and a mountain on the right. And the, and the ocean is before us. And the chariots are by, And right there in that darkness, Shemot, Exodus chapter 14, verse 19. Where, what do we experience? Yahuwah, because he's the Elohim of the darkness. That's where his presence is. And then you come to the mountain in Shemot, Exodus chapter 20, and you're about to experience the most amazing blessing. The blood is going to be sprinkled out on the book of the covenant. But before you get there, it's going to be dark. There's going to be a thick cloud of darkness. You see, before the good thing happens, Matthew, you're going to experience the darkness. And it's going to press in on all sides. And the heathen will tremble with fear and they give up hope. But this is what distinguishes me from the heathen, you from the heathen, is that we know that Yahweh's presence, Mine, is found in the darkest. Second Samuel chapter 22. King David called to Yahuwah. He called out. He cried out to Yahuwah. And Yahuwah answered. In the darkness. His presence is found. In Ezekiel chapter 34. The scattered sheep. Are delivered. In a day of darkness. Only in a day of darkness. And in Joel chapter 2, we shall see that the day of Yahuwah is a day of darkness. So bear that in mind as we go through this season together. Yahuwah's presence, mine, mem, noon, yod, is thick darkness. And when you understand that, you comprehend that, it helps you to find shalom peace in the midst of being chained, bound, pressed in on all sides in a dark, dark world where they are looking to the pharaonic fish for deliverance. We can have shalom and wait because when it is darkest, that 
is where we will feel the presence of Yahuwah. Yahuwah is a judge, but he is also a deliverer. And his presence can sometimes bring judgment, but his deliverance is never far behind. So when it's darkest, his deliverance is never far behind. Keep that deep within you because you're going to need to retrieve it in the coming year. You're going to need to retrieve it in the coming year. And I'm preaching not just to the choir. I'm going through the midst of it too. And in the midst of that darkness, you'll hear the power of Yahuwah say, Shimon, Kepha, put on your garment. Your shoes that are shod in the gospel of the preparation of truth, peace, and your belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the armor of Elohim and follow the Ruach when you're in the darkness. Because then you're going to see something's amazing. Maybe like Shimon Kepha in our text, you won't be able to discern whether it's real. Is this a vision? Is, it, is this real? Am I dreaming? Because everything that I do in my flesh, Matthew, all of the documents, everything I prepare, all of my, everything I'm doing to try and get out of this system, all the preparations that I may do, I know that those preparations will not save me. Because it's Yahuwah who opens the iron gates. It's not because I got a five-star passport. It's not because I got this. It's not because I have that. It's Yahuwah who opens the iron gates. Not Matthew. Not the State Department. It's Yahuwah who opens the iron gates. He's going to do it all. That. I am sure about, which increases my faith. Now I know for a certain that Yahweh has sent his Malak, his angel, and has delivered me from the hand of the pharaonic fish, of Herod, of whatever government entity or new world order it is. It will always go back to Egypt and Babylon. And the expectation of the Jewish people, or really the expectation of the majority. The majority, their expectation, I want to be delivered from the majority. Do not follow a crowd. Do not follow the majority. The majority will go with the pharaonic fish, and the majority will seek to devour and put you in chains. And you're going to be delivered from Pharaoh, you're going to be delivered from Herod. You're going to be delivered from the expectation of the majority if you can press into the darkness. Because it's coming. But you've got to be comfortable with it to know that's where Yahweh is going to be. Not afraid of it. The darkness pressing in on all sides. And I know what you're thinking. I know what you're, you're beside yourself, Matthew. You're beside, there he goes. You're beside yourself is another conspiracy. What kind of conspiracy are you talking? Don't you know that he's in jail? 
He's not. That's not him. This is the text that we see today. The girl comes a running in and they say, you're beside yourself. We don't believe in our prayers. We pray them, but we don't actually believe they're going to come true. We read the Bible, but we don't actually believe that it's the living word of Yahuwah manifest in our day. Because we're not really believers. You're beside yourself. You actually believe this stuff. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Because for over half of my life, I have gone through darkness and I have seen the power of Yahuwah and the power of the risen Savior in my life. He is alive. He is in me. And he is in the darkest times of my life. Is the most powerful times of my life. And I would love to not have to go through difficult times. But I know it's for a purpose, to give glory. And people pray and they read, but they often don't really believe what they pray. And they often don't actually believe what they read. They don't believe that their prayers will be answered. Then those of us that have the vision are accused of being beside ourselves. That's a conspiracy. He's, he's not at the gate. He, he, he's, in, he's in jail. You're beside yourself. Well, get ready to be astonished, my friends, because 2021 is the year of astonishment. Because in verse 16, when you see Yahweh's deliverance standing before you, will you really believe it? When everything goes sideways, absolutely sideways, and you'll read all about it, everything that you've read in the Bible, everything that you've, when you actually see that it comes true, will you actually believe it then? Or will you just say, oh, you people that believe it now, you really believe that we're leaving Mystery Babylon? You really believe that she's being judged right now and that we need to come out of her, my people, and that we are now in Joel chapter 2 and that this is what's happening in the heavens? You're, you really believe this Bible thing is, yeah, oh, you are beside yourself. I've got, I've got the stimulus check I've got to pick up. It's coming to my house next week. Pharaoh's assured me that it's coming. And I've got more to come after that. There is much more garlic and onions on the way. Do you not know? And you want to lead us out? Who is this man? Keep yourself pure and unspotted from the world. So that you are ready, my friends. So when he talks to you through that still, small voice, you're ready to move. When the angel of Yahuwah appears to you and you hear the still, small voice through the Ruach HaKodesh that you believe and that you're ready to move, that your faith isn't just intellectual, that your prayers are just not for show, but when you pray, you have an expectation that your prayers 
are on the altar. They are going up as incense before Yahuwah, and Yahuwah is smelling them as a sweet fragrance, and he will enact and act upon that fragrance in his good timing. But it's when the whole room is filled with smoke and the darkness and the heavy weight of that darkness, you can hear a pin drop. That's when you're in his presence. He will take care of the chains, Matthew. He will take care of the guards, Matthew. The insurmountable iron gates that are before you, that you think that you've got the strength to climb and that you can pry. Matthew, he will take care of the insurmountable iron gates. It will be no work of man when he delivers. That's my introduction. And now let's go into the first verse. I've been pondering a lot, as you can see. And at that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to oppress some of those of the kachal, the assembly. So really, this is about preparation. Are we prepared to be Yahusha's suffering servants? Some of us have found ourselves being trained up by less troubles for greater troubles. That tribulation may work patience and patience experience. And let this chapter then be an encouragement and awake up other people from their slumber. Because my tribulations have worked forth patience and that patience in me has brought forth experience, which I hope that you can now Receive that experience in your life. Some of you are, are a lot younger than me, maybe newer to the faith and won't have to go into the realms that I went to to get where we are today. Others may be older but have come to this message of Torah and Yahusha and the Malkitzedic priesthood. But Yahweh is doing a great thing in the multi-ethnic tribes of Israel as we come together in these last days as one new man. The lesson here, I believe, as we go into this 12th chapter, is that arrogance and actions of men against Yahuwah will always receive their just reward because Herod's arrogance and his actions before Yahuwah, he does receive his just reward. And we right now presently are seeing such arrogance and the actions of wicked men and women worldwide against everything that is from the Creator. And at that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to oppress some of those of the Kahal, and he killed Yaakov, James the brother of Yochanan, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the majority, it pleased the social media crew, it pleased the shut-up culture, the deplatforming culture, whatever you want to call it, it pleased the majority. It empowered him 
to do more, did it not? It empowered him to further seize Peter also. And they were the days of unleavened bread. We now live in a time coming up to Passover where the principalities behind the men and women in power are looking to see what will please the majority. And that is what is guiding their narrative and their laws. Whatever pleases the majority is what sways. It's very dangerous when that happens. We see it right here in the text. What happens when you've had peace and growth in your life and it comes to an abrupt end? Will you waver or will you be re-energized, never to retreat and forge ahead through the suffering? We have to forge ahead through the suffering, surely. And as believers today, we face renewed opposition like believers have not faced for centuries. Renewed opposition. An empowered majority looking to silence those that believe in miracles, those that believe in the power. Oh, right? Just like those that we see in the text. There's renewed opposition to Yahuwah in the public square. But we have to walk in courage. We have to reach deep down to find that inner strength because we all know that ultimately, as we see here with Herod, Yahuwah's hand of justice is what will reach down and give to those who persecute to us. His hand of justice will be upon those that try to persecute us and what they've earned will be a terrible death and their just deserts. And how do you think that terrible death could happen? Is it possible that there could be repercussions of a foreign agent that they took inside their body that would manifest in major autoimmune diseases in the future? Is that possible? We shall see. Because in our text, it was James, the brother of John, so cool to distinguish him from the other James, the brother of Yosef. And he was called by the church fathers, Jacobus Major, meaning James the Greater. Of course, minor being the less, but... He was crowned with martyrdom here in the text. One of the first three of Yahushua's disciples, one of those that were the witness, think about this, of Yahushua's transfiguration and of Yahushua's agony, whereby he was prepared for martyrdom. He was one of those whom Yahushua called sons of thunder. Why? Because he had that fire. He had that powerful awakening, and that fire provoked Herod. And some of us tend to provoke the wickedness, stir it up. I know I do, because I can't play nice when I see the prophets of Baal before me, when I see this 
that fire in me stirs it up because it's wrong, it's wicked, it's evil. It's not just, it's not right. It's Babylonian in every sense of the word. And because of his fire and his powerful awakening, that is what provoked Herod. Just as John the Baptist did the same thing. He, by his power, by his fire, he provoked too. Some of us are meant to do that. We're not meant to just go along to get along. Some of us are meant to stand out in front of Herod. Some of us are meant to do that. And we'll be the first to go. And that's okay. Because in the darkness is where the presence of Yahuwah is. And that's what brought about his final trouble. Of course, his head also being cut off with a sword, which was looked upon by the Romans to be more disgraceful in any way of being beheaded than with an axe. Beheading was not ordinarily used among the Jews, but when kings gave verbal orders for private and very sudden executions, this manner of death was used, of course, most expeditious. He was one of the sons of Zebedee who Yahushua told that they should drink of the cup that he was to drink of and be mickford with them with the baptism that he was to be baptized with. And thus it came to pass. Matthew 20 verse 23. And now these very words of Yahushua came forth into fruition. But it was in order for him to sit down with Yahushua in glory. For if we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. I look forward so much to those days. I look so forward to those days. Herod stretching forth his hands intimates that his hands had been tied up by restraints which perhaps was his own conscience, right? For 47 years, Biden's hands have been bound by restraints. By a war of attrition, he's finally, I don't know how he got there, 50% or more of the population has no idea how he got, but he is now, his hands, just like Herod's, are unrestrained. What's going to happen? What happens when you unrestrain the hands of a Herod? What happens? Herod stretching forth his hands intimates that his hands had been tied up by restraints. But now they're no longer tied up. Now he's got the full force of the system behind him. And he, in this matter, he can break through them and stretch forth his hands deliberately and with malice. And that is what you are going to see. It is going to be deliberate and with malice. I believe we're seeing this very phenomenon today, which is why I believe that Yahuwah has me teaching the book of Maaseh Shlachin 
at this very juncture of time if, and this is a big if, you have an ear to hear and eyes to see. That is between you and Yahuwah because we are living in a post 9-11 world now for 20 odd years where global leaders as wicked as Herod have been plotting, plotting how to move society toward accepting a totally unrestrained government where leaders have the full backing of the sheeple the majority to stretch forth their hands unrestrained and enact dominion because that is what he was up to in Caesarea in Caesarea what was Yahuwah's purpose in permitting this killing. You see, there comes a time when Yahuwah's intention is to awaken. Here in the text, the rest of the apostles, wake up, wake up. But today, I believe it is to awaken those from slumber to then disperse themselves among the nations and not to nestle any longer in Jerusalem. You see, the apostles, they were all hunkered down in Jerusalem. So they needed to waken up because it wasn't coming to them, the gospel. They needed to get out to the nations and take the gospel. Therefore, that is why this was permitted. Its intention was to awaken the apostles and disperse them from Jerusalem outward. Because they were too settled in the nest of Jerusalem. But today, it is in, of course, reverse. We have been scattered in the nations for two millennia, the so-called lost tribes of Israel. And now, through the killing... It should awaken you from the slumber and have your heart set back on Jerusalem because we're coming home. Yahweh is going to gather his people from the nations, but we must see the killing of mystery Babylon for that to happen. But some, just like the apostles were in Jerusalem, they're going to be too cozied up to the pharaonic fish that they're not going to want to leave. Too cozied up to this worldly system that they're just not going to be able to extract themselves. It will be, it's too, yes, they read the Bible and yes, they pray, but it's not a belief of true belief. There's a, there's, there's, a, there's a divorce from the reality of the living word and living power of the Holy Spirit, which means there's no action, right? It's all theory. It's not action. Verse 4, and capturing him, he put him in prison. You see, Herod laid hands upon some of the kahal to afflict them. So some read it. But he employed his officers and agents to seize the outspoken ones. To seize the out, because then they are used in an example to terrify and silence the rest. Herod began with vexing them only, or afflicting them, imprisoning them, or possibly fining them. 
spoiling their houses, plundering their businesses, spoiling their goods, and other ways of just harassing them and molesting them. But afterwards, he proceeded to greater instances of cruelty. And this is, my friends, the way it always goes. When the shackles are unrestrained after 47 years, and now you've got the full backing of the system, then it becomes cruel. This was, of course, Herod Agrippa I, grandson of Herod the Great. You have to remember, he'd just been named king of his grandfather's, listen to this, he'd just been made king of his grandfather's former realm, which was a very vast realm, by Emperor Caligula in 41 of the Common Era. Now, he only lasted till three years. Well, I think that's going to be longer than Biden will, for sure. Anyway, all the other presidents, sorry, I mean all the other Herods, had jockeyed for this whole global empire. But they'd only been rulers over a small portion. But this one, he got the whole dominion over the whole global empire. How? through these policies, selling out to China, I mean Caligula. Selling out to Caligula, he was the only one chosen to ascend the great man's throne. What happens when you have a leader that does that? Hmm. The Bible tells you. You see, here's the shadow prophecy for our times, if you can see it, if you can hear what I'm saying. Agrippa, like Biden-Harris, the purpose is to build their support base. Agrippa with the Jews, same today. The secret synagogue of Satan sect behind the fiscal policy of debt and slavery. Agrippa was actually fairly popular with the Jews, and by killing Yaakov, James, and a few others, he was testing the waters to see what the general reaction would be. What we are seeing right now worldwide is a testing of the waters to see what the majority general reaction will be. If you can't see that, because other nations are following suit, This is a testing of the waters to see what the general reaction will be. I just find this so interesting as we read through this text. That was the way it was then. And if you don't see that 2020 was a testing of the waters to see what the general reaction would be. And it will continue through this year too, the testing of the waters to see what the general reaction will be. This is from Agrippa's very playbook written here in the 12th chapter. Now, when he was met with approval, then he went after Peter intending to make him and James the first of many. And this is what sets the whole stage. Now, 
you realize with James, there was no trial. He was just executed. No trial. You do realize this past year, whether it's in the United States, New Zealand, Australia, people aren't going before judges and juries. There's no trials. COVID has allowed them to bypass people's due process rights with all of these virtual telephonic hearings where you have no idea who the clerk is, who the DA is. You have no... You're not... You don't, you don't get to face your accusers. This, this, is, this is the same system. James had no trial. He was just adjudicated against, executed. COVID's got rid of the court hearings, court trials all over the world. No due process. People are threatened to appear in sham circuses coming from the Roman system, the circus system, without facing their accusers in hidden, undisclosed jurisdictions made known only to those of a secret bar sect. Of course the black robe prophets and priests of Baal. And if you can't see the writing of the wall, then I think you're in slumber. Too comfy under your own fluffy down. Now, yes, I've been forced into that system to see it. And it's dark. But I feel Yahweh's presence, and I know it's for a purpose, and it's thrillingly exciting in a very, very crazy way in the way the world is today to be able to see it all before us because look in the fourth verse delivered him to four sets of four soldiers to keep him attending to bring him out for the people after easter how on earth easter got in the king jimmy there well let's explain that because the greek word there is 3957 It appears in the Septuagint like close to 30 times. It comes from the Hebrew word, 6453, Pesach. It's real clear. Even in the Greek, it's Pascha, Pascha. How they could get that to Ishtar or Ishtar or Ashtoreth, I have no idea. just shows you how far the faith had departed from the truth. Greek number 3957, coming from Hebrew number 6453, close to 30 times in the Septuagint, it is Passover, Pesach, Passover, Exodus, Shemot, chapter 12. Very, very clear. Yet the King Jimmy chose to put in Ishtar, Easter, Astara, Mother Earth, Greta Thunberg, it's all the same thing, right? It's all about, you know, let, oh, we've got to get rid of this carbon footprint. It's all part of the mystery Babylon enslaving and mother worship. Nothing new under the sun. The name adopted from the pagans, even the phonology of the word reveals the truth before we even start digging. I mean, I just went to a, a Thai food restaurant, right? I'm sitting down and I look up and I've got Ishtar right on the wall, the bare-breasted fertility 
goddess. Easter, because this is nothing more than great mother Gaia, Ishtar, Ishtar, Artemis, Diana of Ephesus. Of course, you export her everywhere, and she even ends up in Thailand. All over the place. Easter, of course, was celebrated by the Assyrians, the Phoenicians, and the Philistines. This festival, of course, involved the rites of spring near the equinox of Venus. And, of course, that's when Greta Thunberg and the pagans believed that the Earth Mother was impregnated by the sun. This is where all of this propaganda comes from. And they then encouraged ritual sex acts, used symbols of fertility like eggs and rabbits and hot cross buns that I grew up with, you know. And the Babylonian symbol for the female was and is a circle with a cross beneath. The round cakes were baked by the Queen of Heaven, the Great Mother, with the cross symbol indicating the female. The cross, of course, indicates the equinox when the Earth's orbit crossed the celestial equator and they could have orgies celebrating this. This is absolute insanity, and the prophet Jeremiah calls it right out in the 7th chapter and the 8th verse, 18th verse, and he says thus, The children gather wood, and the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead their dough to make the cakes to the queen of heaven. How on earth did we end up as believers, not you and I now, but once upon a time most probably, doing this kind of nonsense? Because the faith has become so compromised over the past 2,000 years that people are living in a fantasy world. And they would pour out drink offerings unto other gods that they may provoke me to anger. And there you end up with hot cross buns, communion. And the church, of course, would always be decorated with what kind of flower at Ishtar? Lilies. You'd get the Easter lilies followed by a potluck with an Easter egg hunt in the parking lot with a ham dinner, right? What a bunch of superstitious pagans. How did this all happen? Well, to ensure a prosperous growing seasons, of course, the pagans rolled eggs decorated with bright colors of spring on their fields, hoping to, of course, imbue fertility. Now, these eggs were then hidden from the evil spirits. And they would hide these eggs in rabbit's nests, which, of course, was another fertility symbol. And then Biden's going to attempt to do this, if they can get him out from his basement, you know, on the White House lawn here in a couple of weeks. If he can pull it off with a blunder, which, you know, I'm very doubtful that he can. But all that to say this, Easter, of course, did not appear in the biblical text. It was inserted much later and is the name of the Babylonian mother of harlots, Revelation 17. And her image stands as the sun goddess, or today we see it, Lady Liberty in New York Harbor. And that's just a massive colossus statue, even as the tower headpiece you can see was the same headpiece that was worn by Artemis. How's that going? Are you doing okay there? You want me to you want me to call somebody? Sure? All right. Those flip phones, man. Whew. Will you tell you who are you texting? Does that text? 
It's too old. It doesn't even have text on it, does it? Oh, it does. Surprising. Of course, Artemis and the... You see, you've messed me up now. What was I talking about? Lady Liberty, of course, the seven horns or sun rays. Sun rays, of course, reveals her real identity. And everyone's, oh, it's Lady... No, it's not. It's Artemis, a gift from the French. Of course, the French setting us up for success, as always. Now, her emblem is the flower of the lily, the fleur de lis. Of course, you know, you go to a nice little French boutique or get some French perfume, you get the fleur de lis, the flower of the lily. And now you know why churches decorate with lilies on Easter morning. This is just so far down the road that people accept it. Now, it's interesting, in the 1934 edition of the um, Encyclopedia Britannica, it says this. This is the 1934 edition. Easter, Esther, Ostara, or Easter, was the goddess of spring in the religion of the ancient Angles and Saxons, those blooming Ang- Angles Saxons, you know. Every April, a festival was celebrated in her honor. Now, with the beginnings of Christianity, the gods were put aside. From then on, the festival was celebrated in honor of the resurrection of Christ, but was still known as Easter after the old goddess. That's in the 1934 Encyclopedia Britannica. Laying it all out for the truth, but people don't want to listen. Yahweh then, of course, says in contrast in Deuteronomy chapter 12, break down the Easter images, smash their sacred stones, their Easter poles or Ashereth, it's the same word, the Ashereth poles in the fire, cut down the idols of their gods and wipe their names from those places. You must not worship Yahweh your Elohim the way the pagan worships their Elohim. So if the pagans worship their gods with eggs, bunnies, all kinds of colored eggs, hot cross buns, and then they bring lilies into the pagan shrine, should we be doing that? It's a real simple question with a real simple answer. And it shouldn't be offensive, but it's so offensive to people. Now, in ecclesiastical history to the 20th year of the reign of Constantine in the fourth edition, it was put out by the Oxford University Press in 1847. So it's a little older. It says this, quote, the word Easter is of Saxon origin. Again, those bloody Anglo-Saxons. The name is Eastra the goddess of spring in whose honor sacrifices were offered about Passover time each year. By the 8th century, Anglo-Saxons had adopted the name to designate the celebration of Christ's resurrection. So it took about 800 years to really catch on. That was a long time ago, wasn't it? So it's been accepted. That's my little segue into paganism because many of your friends and family are still caught up in that as we celebrate the Passover and when you bring that up, you're offensive. When in reality, the paganism is actually offensive to Yahuwah if we read Deuteronomy chapter 12. So who should we be worried about offending? 
at some point I decided in my life it was better to offend men than to offend the one that saved me. So I decided that I would change my lifestyle, which included all kinds of paganism that I accepted at face value. But then you have to count the cost, and then you get pushed out of the nest of the majority. And that's painful sometimes, rejection. You will be rejected, but in that dark is where you'll find Yahweh's presence. Not in the midst of the multitude. Not in the midst of the multitude. Let's go back now and see what the word of Yahweh says, because ultimately the miracles happen in the pressing place between the pieces. In the fifth verse, we've read it, I'd love to read it again. Then indeed Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer was made to Yahuwah for him and by the kahal. I ask that you would pray for me in this time and season in my life, that you would pray for my family. And I thank all of you that do support this ministry. These are difficult times, but I'm committed to be transfigured or to die and be resurrected. And I know that this life, to me, is, is, is a scourge, and I'm looking forward to passing through it. And to be in the place where I am right now of just being able to let go is, is truly, truly freeing. And I think that many of the disciples and believers before, in that place where you just have to let go and you realize it's the Ruach that will carry you through, there is a freedom, a freedom that is just absolutely amazing. And when Herod was about to bring him out, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. Also guards were keeping the prison before the door. And verse 7, And behold, the angel of Yahweh stood by, and a light shone in the building, and it struck Peter in the side. And he raised him up, saying, Rise up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Gird yourself and put on your sandals. So he actually waited for him to get dressed. Isn't that pretty amazing? Put your slippers on, put your pajamas back on, put your robe on. Come on, we've got to get going. I mean, he was patient, waiting for him to get, get changed. And he did so. And he says to him, Throw on your robe around you and follow me. And he went out and he followed him. You see, he'd still be stumbling around, not sure if this is a dream or if this is reality. And when they were past the first and second guard, you see, sometimes it seems insurmountable. And that first confrontation, there's a lot of fear. But then the second one, it diminishes. And then you've got the iron gate, and all of a sudden you think you're going to have to clamber up it, but it opens before, and you never even asked it to. How does that happen? This is the way of Yahweh, which will lead you past the first and second guard. You'll come to the iron gate in your life, and it will lead out into a pasture, and it will open of its own accord. And they went out and passed on through the majority street. And immediately the angel departed from him because they were brought into deliverance and a place of safety. That one street, the translation is majority street. It's the broad road that leads to destruction. You've got to get through that. 
whether that's Easter, the hot cross buns, that whole system, mystery, Babylon, whatever it is, Herod, Biden, Harris, that whole system is the broad road. It is the majority street. It is one street where everybody's going, everybody's going, but you have to be the one that swims up the stream against the current. And you have to face that because that's the life that we have. We came into this world with nothing. We're going to leave with nothing. We will either be transfigured out of it or we will die and be resurrected out of it. But we are coming and leaving as sojourners. And we just have to realize that one thing that is sure and for certain in this world is constant change. Constant change and a vacillation between freedom and fear, freedom and fear. And when you can make comfort and peace with that, then you're going to be able to survive the storms, but thrive in the storms. And that is all I've got for you today, because the result of crisis in my life, in your life, in many people's life, found here in Peter's life, in chapter 12, is the awakening of the power of Yahweh in the midst of the congregation. Because with every difficulty that I face, with every difficulty that you may be facing out there, it is an opportunity to find a deeper faith and watch and wait for the Ruach to work. Through serious afflictions, I have grown stronger. Through serious afflictions, both in numbers and in Ruach, we will grow stronger. To quote Tertullian's famous saying, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. In our afflictions is what makes us as saints. And that is where I live. And that is where we should live. I believe to be prepared for the times in which we live. Let's have a see what you got to say in the chat. Chat it up. And I know I'm heavy nowadays. And there will be times of lightness, but it ain't today. All right. I need my glasses, don't I? I got old, I got gray, but I'm not withering away. I shall stand and fight another day. All right. If you want a little bit of chit-chat, which, 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 uh, which uh, camera are we on? We on the... Ah, oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, Chris on FEMA Region 4. He popped right up there. Shabbat Shalom, Chris. I love you, brother. Never give up because you're a blessing to so many. Keep kicking butt. Thank you. And thank you. I did get your forward message and it touched my heart from Shabbat Fellowship. Thanks, Chris, truly. I know you're a bit of a salty Marmite dog like myself. But I do appreciate your tender heart and love. And I know that, brother, we are going to break some bread together soon. And I'm excited about that. Ah, praise Yahuwah.
Oh, let's have a look here. Shabbat, sal- Shabbat Shalom, tongue-tied Matthew. Sylvester Egan says the Statue of Liberty, free will, free will in heaven to follow El. Elohim are shackled to the embodiment. Notice the chain at feet of the Statue of Liberty. The staircase is spiral DNA because they will steal your liberty through enchaining your DNA with a new code called RNA, programmable matter. Just saying. Uh Uh-huh. Diesel grandpa up there in Snohomish. Did you get your, the big RV, the big massive beast? So no honey baked Easter ham. Yeah, that would be correct. Yeah, none of that. None of that nonsense. Keith, Keith says, of course, it was all as hollow as their chocolate Easter bunny. Their empty eggs, chocolate that is all sugar coated doctrine. There you go. Analogy and metaphor. I love it. Mark is, of course, thinking of the Benelli M4 shotgun. He's just saying. (laughs) Richard Lynch, where can people find info about getting out of the contract system? Well, that is a topic for offline, not on the YouTube. Sorry, Richard, love to share with you. McCarty clan says, Shabbat Shalom, Torah to the tribes. What is the prophetic significance of the Pope speaking on you are last week? What's you are? Anyone? Anyone? I don't know. I don't know. You, you put your interpretation in there, McCarty clan. What do you think the prophetic significance is? I missed that one. Christine liked my poetic inserts. Thank you, Christine. It just, you know, I need to get a nice book of poetry. Hey, if you can recommend a right, nice book of poetry, one that could you could maybe look up for when you're feeling down, when you're feeling happy, and you could find a poem, I think that would be kind of fun, wouldn't it? I'd li- I like to read poems. Right now I'm back on the Crimean War again. I always go back to the Crimean War if I really want to just just really feel... Um, I don't know, kind of get into that dark place and, and I don't know what it is. But yeah, I always tend to go back to the Book of Job and the Crimean War. I just do. Because some of the spirituals that you actually found in the, in, in the prayers and the stories and the accounts in the Crimean War is insane to me. So I, I usually go there. I'm there again. That's what I'm doing before I go to bed every night. Reading the Book of Job and the Crimean War. In case you wonder, and just in case. All right. All right, now we're back to HJR 192. Keith says, Abraham Lincoln had liber ties, signed those codes right into drafts, Banknotes for our New Deal, 1933, HJR 192. Oh, much more beauty is drinking my sponsored drink tonight. Let us remain faithful unto the end. 
great word for tonight, to carry on into the week. Todah, praying for your family. Shabbat shalom. Well, Shabbat shalom to you. Much more beauty and much more truth down there in the panhandle. Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Now, Mary Trotter, she's red craning me. She says, now let me get this straight. The lily is the main Easter plant. So should we not have lilies in our gardens or in our homes? It's not the lily's fault they used it. After all, it's Yahuwah's creation. Of course, I love lilies. But I'm not going to make a shrine with eggs and bunnies and say I'm doing it unto Yahuwah. But Yahushua spoke about the lilies of the field. Lilies are wonderful, beautiful, and have an appropriate place in your garden. Modesto supports the soft boy poetry segment. (laughs) I'm glad you said soft boy, not soy boy, Modesto. Cameron says thus, Shabbat Shalom, Brother Matthew from L.A., Los Angeles. Thank you for the teaching, and you and your beloved family are in our constant prayers. Can't wait to see you all soon. Yes, we're going to see you, hopefully, at um, Passover here. Oh, yes. So I've got to have a sip from the old sponsor today. Valerie Seal, Shabbat Shalom, Valerie. She said, says the poop went to Iraq. Oh, Pope, sorry. The Pope went to Iraq to pray at Ziggurat Babylon. Oh, Ur, as in Ur. Okay, I'm with you. Sorry. Thank you for the update there. Missed that one. Oh, we've got Ant from Ireland. Whereabouts are you from Ireland? Thanks for your messages, Matthew. My family and I usually listen the following week on Shabbat as it's a little late in Ireland to catch you live, tonight being an exception. My mother's from County Cork. So anyway, just so you know. Brenda Robinson is not physically circumcised. Oh, thank goodness, Brenda. I was concerned. Um, that's good. Glad, glad we've got that one up in the chat. Thanks for letting everybody know. Oh, Thomas Hughes says, there's always more room in the clown car, but this clown is going hobo, second exodus. Well, there's a lot of freedom in hobo, let me tell you. Ah, of course. Now the McCarty clan is answering my question, of course. Thank you, McCarty. Ur is the land of Abraham, of course, Exodus 11.15. Thank you so much. Yes, we now gathered that. We're talking about the Pope in Mystery Babylon, but actually Babylon proper. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jose, of course, is doing the Passover down in Ohio. So that needs to be um, supported. Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Oh, Ant is from Middleton County, Cork. How about that? How about that? Wow. 
else we got here? Little Libby, how are you doing? Libby on the Libby tube. She didn't redline me, but I always like to chat with Libby. Yahweh is the Elohim that sees all, knows all, and is all present and powerful. Yah dispels the darkness. Praise Yah. He does. That is for truth and for sure. Thank you so much. Chris in FEMA Region 4 says his spirit cries when I see people lining up for the vax. I mean, leave the sheep alone and, and vax the elites, right? We've got, people in, we've got people in Ireland, Sweden, the Netherlands, Australia. Oh, Angela's in Wisconsin. Angela, bonjour. Bonjour. Wow. We've got Roger Gates. I'm glad it's not Bill Gates, but, you know, it would be cool if Bill Gates said, yes, praise Yah, and repented. But, you know, I don't know if that, that you know, miracles can happen. Man, I just, yeah. Good grief. It's gut-wrenching to see Diesel Grandpa commentating on the, um, commenting, excuse me, or commentating on the vaccine. Mm. Very, very, very interesting times, isn't it, brethren? Isn't it? Isn't it? Sylvester Egan says, repent, Elohim. Exactly. Ah, Dutchman says, an angel of Elohim encampments around them that fear him. That's so true, isn't it? Dutchman, amen, says, captured by Yah, Yahuwah, Yahuwah. Yeah, different pronunciations. And we've got Yahuwah is life. Yeah. What chapter and verse is he on? <laughs> Bill Crane. Hey, you're a bit late coming to the party. Yeah, I'm just just I'm just cruising through all the chat here, everybody. Hebrew construction, that's a great name. Praise Yahuwah, he is spot on, powerful. Well, thank you. Blessings, blessings, blessing. Blessings. Equinox Walker coming up on the Equinox. I'll tell you what we should be doing, especially in the homeschool department here, is making a sundial. Making a sundial and getting prepared, Larry. Larry can help us. Let's make a sundial and go out on the 20th, 21st, and um, watch it, right? It is the sign. See the visible sign as we turn, of course, the Takufka into the new year. That would be excellent for the young children and myself, of course, being a part of that. Michael Ray is in Mexico. Shabbat shalom, Michael wonder where you are in Mexico, and how is it down there in Mexico? Is it freer? Of course, Libby's saying Shabbat Shalom at Michael Ray. Maybe Libby knows Michael Ray. Mm -hmm. Oh, much more truth. Zoom call is a joke. 
Wow, Zoom call is, yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's a denial of due process. That's what it is. But, you know, again, it's all about consent. Don't consent. I'm just chatting away here, looking at your chat. See, I'm, you're still, guys are still watching. Sorry, I should be like interacting, but I just got, get, got sucked into the screen there for a second, reading all of your chit chat, and I'm not sharing it with you. Here we go. Keith says, Abraham Lincoln also had two sons. Kind of says a new light on Galatians. Nothing new under the sun. No, that would not be so, not so soul invictus, but the soul of man, Adam incarnate. I don't know if I got that one quite there, but, you know, maybe we'll review that later in the chat itself. Well, I guess that's all. I could keep on scrolling because you're still here and lots of chat to you all. Let's see. Finish up with a couple of goodies if we can. Give us a couple of goodies. This is from Helen. And she says, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, Helen. She's from Dunedin. I most probably massacred that in New Zealand. There is no due process anymore here in our justice system. What do you think of Revelation 18.23 as depicting the sea vaccine effects in our temple? Well, that's what we're all talking about exactly. And we know, yes, New Zealand, they've had a lot of um, assaults on their liberties this past year that has been very shocking for people there to see and for us to see worldwide too. And I'm going to finish up with Jerry. Jerry Park says, Messiah said of his disciples, generation, that they were faithless, perverted, twisted and corrupt, unbelieving of a little faith, just because they couldn't cast out a demon. What would he say of us? What he would say of us is to stand and see the salvation of Yahweh and to go out in power, faith, and belief that we will see the supernatural and the unexpected will become a reality in our life. That includes casting out demons because there's going to be major demonic activity through the corruption of the DNA and the manifestations that we shall see. Yet Yahweh's people shall walk in the midst of the fire and be able to cast out the Nephilim and those Nafal of the fallen spirit realm. Because just like Genesis 6, their DNA has been corrupted that they are no longer human. It's human 2.0. And that's the world that we live in. And it is a strange and crazy reality to be able to see that this generation really got hoodwinked in just a year. So much fear and everybody sheeple to the people. But Yahweh has a plan. I am just so blessed that he woke me up, and I'm so blessed that he woke you up, that you're tuned in too, because we live in amazing times. But it's not amazing just sitting around. It's amazing when we take that faith in action in our families, in our workplaces, in our homes, and live as the saints. Shabbat Shalom and blessings to you all. And remember, keep the Passover.